Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Fiona. We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God, His people, and His purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. We're going to be looking today at uh, mostly at Isaiah chapter 36. Have the team got the PowerPoints up there, please? Thank you. As you can see, serious stuff we're looking at today. It's Isaiah 36, more than a wee bit of 37. An anatomy of fear. This, I think, is the fourth time I've preached on this. So you might say, why are you preaching on it again? Well, various reasons. One, first time I preached this was over 20 years ago. And Stuart Brunton, founding pastor of the church, after I preached on that, he said to me, Ian, I think you'll need to preach on that again. The last time I preached, I think, was about 10 years ago. So that's one reason for preaching on it. The more important reason, perhaps, is this. All of us experience fear and anxiety in our lives at various times. And for some people, at the time, there can be times when it's almost a permanent condition. Fear and anxiety is one of the most common weapons used by the enemy to hinder or to stop us doing what God wants us to do, becoming what God, who God wants us to become. It's his most com- one of the most common weapons he uses. And one of the most common commands or instructions in the Bible is fear not. Do not be afraid. Be not afraid. Do not be afraid of them. It appears at many times in the Old Testament. It appears many times in the New Testament. And yet all of us at times experience fear. So what are we going to do when we do experience it? Are we going to put ourselves under condemnation? Oh, Jesus said I shouldn't be afraid, yet I'm feeling this fear in my heart. Or are we going to take it like this? Jesus knew full well that this would be one of the weapons, is one of the weapons that the enemy uses against his people. So we need to learn to overcome. We need to learn to fight the battle. We need to learn to win the battle. So that's what we're going to do, a part of that this morning. And we're going to look, say, most of Isaiah 36. We're going to look, a lot of it's going to be looking at how the enemy uses fear. So it's not going to be jolly. I'm not going to mention my wife. I know I just did. It's a paradox. You can't, but never mind. That's all the mention she's getting today. Some of you will be disappointed, but there you go. Right. What was the situation? Assyria was the dominant nation, the superpower. They were conquering nations and cities left, right, and center. No one could stand against them. Israel was split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Samaria. They had already been conquered by Assyria. The southern kingdom of Judah and Jerusalem was a disobedient nation. It was a weak and vulnerable nation. And whenever fear and anxiety come into your life, you already feel weak and vulnerable. And we've all got lots of sins in our life, so we can identify with them. 
So they'd been a disobedient nation. They were worshipping idols. They'd been going down to Egypt to try and get help instead of trusting in God to help them. And then Hezekiah became king. Initially, he tried to buy off Assyria by giving him gold from the temple. But then after that, he decided to trust in God. And he started sorting the nation out. He started destroying many of the places of idol worship. And he started reinstituting proper worship of God. He reinstituted the Passover, which they'd stopped observing. And he told the people, do not fear Assyria, but put your trust in God, because the Lord will deliver us from the enemy. And then this is what happened. After all that Hezekiah had so faithfully done, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded. That's not meant to happen, is it? You start repenting of your sins, you start turning to God, you start increasing your commitment to God. And then the enemy attacks. It says, he laid siege to the fortified cities, thinking to conquer them for himself. And he conquered all the cities of Judah, apart from Jerusalem, and came to the walls of Jerusalem. And then this is what happened. Let's go to that, Isaiah 36, verse 4 and 5. This is where he, start, he laid siege to the city, and he started to use, try and instill fear into the people. It says, the field commander said to them, Tell Hezekiah, this is what the great king and the king of Assyria says. On what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say you've counsel and might for war, but you speak only empty words. On whom are you depending if you rebel against me? And the first weapon he uses is to say, I, the, or the, the things that are facing you are so much stronger than you. How do you think you can possibly win? Well, do you want a spoiler alert? Assyria did not conquer Jerusalem. Assyria ended up losing most of their army, fleeing back to Assyria, never to leave again. You want a spoiler alert for your life? I'll tell you where my life's going. I'll tell you where your life is going. We're going to be raised from the dead. We're going to be raised immortal. We're going to see God face to face. We're going to reign in glory with Christ forever and ever. That is where our life is going. It doesn't matter what's happening to you right now. It doesn't matter how much fear the, Lord, the enemy is trying to put into your heart. That is our destiny. Sometimes people say, you need to remind the devil of his destiny. Perhaps we more need to remind ourselves of our destiny, of where we are going, what God's plan is for us. So his first weapon is just basic fear. Well, let's go on to the next couple of verses. It says, look, I know you're depending on Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff which pierces the hand of anyone who leans on it. Such is Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and all, to all who depend upon him. But if you say to me, we're depending on the Lord our God, isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah has removed? Saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before this altar. Now let's look what he's saying here. And we need to, when fear comes in, and when Satan tries to put fear into our hearts, he uses a mixture of truth and lies. Some of the things he says, 
Now, the ways to us put faith into our heart will be true. Well, let's look at this. First of all, it says, you're depending on Egypt. They were no longer depending upon Egypt. Can we go back to the previous slide, please? They had been, but they'd stopped depending on Egypt. The enemy will remind you of past sins. He'll try and bring up guilt in your life and things which you have done wrong before. But we know that our sins are completely covered by the blood of Jesus. And then he says, Hezekiah has destroyed all these high places. The high places were where the idol worship took place. Thank goodness they had destroyed, he had destroyed them. That improves their situation. But there are going to be times when... Happened in various ways. There might have been times when we depended on wrong things to help us get caught with life. We might have depended upon drugs or depended on drink or pornography or wrong relationships. And then we stopped depending upon them. And then when trouble comes or difficult times comes, the enemy comes in, how are you going to cope now? This is what you used to do. How are you going to cope now? Or suppose you make a decision for God to go on a new venture in a new direction. And that involves, it may involve you uh, giving something up. Or involves some enormous cost. And then you start on this path and the enemy comes in. How are you going to manage? Now you've given this up. How are you going to manage? These decisions, decisions which we have made, which God wanted us to make, there are times when the enemy will come in and say, oh, you're in trouble now, aren't you? But these were decisions made for God. We need to understand what the enemy does. Let's go on to the next bit. And it says, come now, make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. I'll give you 2,000 horses if you put riders on them. How can you repulse one officer of the least of my master's officials, even though you're depending on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Furthermore, have I come to attack you and destroy this land without the Lord? The Lord himself told me to destroy this country. That last bit was true, more or less. If you read earlier in Isaiah, it says that God was using Assyria as an instrument against Judah, but an instrument of discipline to get the nation to turn back to him. And he says, look how weak you are. He'll remind you of your weakness and you'll feel weak. But it says in one of the Psalms, my heart and my flesh, though they fail me, you are the strength of my life. You see, if Satan wants to defeat me, he's got to defeat Jesus as well. If he wants to defeat us, he's got to defeat Jesus. You can hear, you hear reports on the news about the sorry state of the church in the West. And there's a lot of truth in what it says. But the church will not be destroyed. The church of Jesus Christ will not be destroyed. Because if Satan wants to defeat us, he's got to defeat Jesus. And he's already lost that battle. Jesus defeated him on the cross. It says in Colossians that he made a spectacle of the enemy on the cross. Jesus is our strength. 
There will be times when we feel utterly weak and vulnerable. But Jesus isn't. Then he goes on. Then Eliakim, Shebna and Joah said to the field commander, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, since we understand it. Aramaic was the diplomatic language, what the government officials would use. Don't speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people on the wall. But the commander replied, Is it only to your master and you that my master sent me to say these things and not to the people sitting on the wall? Who, like you, have to, will have to eat their own excrement and drink their own urine? Assyria wanted the people in Jerusalem to hear exactly what they were saying. And all of us have got fear buttons in our lives. There are certain situations which I can encounter, and it won't bother me one bit. Say, I know God can handle this. I trust God completely. Get it my way. And it means nothing to me. I trust God. But there are other situations which do put fear into my heart, which I find it really difficult to cope with. And for each of us, those situations are different. There are some things I can handle easily and you can't. There are some things you can handle easily and I can't. We all have fear buttons. And sometimes the enemy is allowed to press them. We need to appreciate that that is what happens sometimes. As I'm telling you these things, the way it works. So when, it, look, when fear comes in, our mind and our emotions go all over the place. And we don't stop thinking. We find it difficult to think straight. We need to understand, right, right, this is what he's doing. This is what he's doing. Paul says in one of his letters, we are not ignorant of the devil's schemes. So we understand what he does. Sometimes he will press fear buttons in our lives. Can I tell you a prayer that's a waste of time praying? Lord God, stop the devil trying to put fear into my life. Not going to happen. That's part of his job description. Do you want a prayer that God will answer? That's worth praying. Lord God, teach me to overcome. God will answer that. We might not enjoy the process. We'll enjoy the result. You see, in, if you're in Revelation 2 and 3, the letters to the seven churches, to all of them, it's to he who overcomes. To he who overcomes, I will give this. To he who overcomes, I will do that. And in Romans 8, it says, we will become more than conquerors. God's will is that we learn to overcome fear. Let's move on. Then the commander Solomon said, Hear the words of the great king and the king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He can't deliver you. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord. When he says the Lord will surely deliver us and this city will not be given into the hands of Assyria. The enemy will tell you, don't trust those people preaching from up here about trusting in God. Don't trust your small group leader encouraging you to believe in Jesus. 
don't believe in the Bible when it says God will defend you. He will seek to get you not to listen to those who are speaking God's word. He will do it. He will attack those who are seeking you to live by faith, seeking to get you to live by faith. Then he goes on immediately after that. Then the commander stood and called out. I think you've... Right, no, thanks. Do not listen to Ezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and come out to me. Then each of you will eat fruit from your own vine and fig tree and drink water from your own cistern until I come and take you to a land like your own, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Having your own vine and fig tree was kind of a symbol of prosperity in those days. If you were, they didn't have elections in those days, but if they were having an election campaign, your leaflet would say, vote for me, you'll all have your own vine and fig tree. It was just what people want. Why, I don't know, but... He's seeking to entice them. Just give up. Just give up. Just stop following Jesus. Just give up. It'd be okay. It'd be good. Do you know what would have happened? When they conquered a city, they then dispersed the, the people from that city into all sorts of other nations far from their home. And they would not have been the land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards for them. It would have been a concentration camp, would be a better description. He will seek to entice you away from God. Saying, it'll be fine, it'll be good. It will not be. And then, it says, do not let Hezekiah mislead you when he says the Lord will deliver us. Have the gods of any other nations delivered them? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharavim? Have they rescued Samaria from my hand? Who of all the gods of these countries have been able to save their lands from me? How can the Lord then deliver Jerusalem from my hand? He will point to you and say, look, they couldn't cope with this situation. They got defeated by this, these circumstances. They couldn't handle it. Because all these nations had been defeated. Of course, the big difference was they were just worshipping idols of stone and wood. Not trusting in the true God. And if you look at your life, look at my life, the situation I can see, and I've experienced God's faithfulness, and you'll see other people having similar situations, and things don't work. He will always be able to point to people where he's been defeated. But if we trust in the Lord, He is the one who rescues us. He is the one who is faithful. Okay, so how do we... This is many of the tactics that the enemy uses. How do we fight back? Let's go to 36.21. But the people remained silent and said nothing in reply because the king had commanded them, do not answer him. Don't get involved in an argument with your fears. We all do it, don't we? We've got fear and anxiety in our minds and 
Your minds work at an amazing speed. It's amazing how quickly our minds can work out all sorts of uh, scenarios of how things are going to work out, most of them bad. Don't get involved in an argument with your fears. Let me give you some more practical advice, which I have given to you on a number of occasions, and I'm going to give it to you, or at least some of it. I'm going to give it to you again, because I find in my own life, sometimes if you start finding fear and anxiety coming in, I need to remind myself, right, this is how you win this battle. This is how you win this battle. And one of the things is pray for other people other situations. Do not spend all your time praying about the issue you are worried about or are fearful of. Don't do it. Pray for other things. Pray for the church. Pray for the church leaders. Pray for the city. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your family. Pray for persecuted Christians in the world. Pray for others. You know, when the enemy goes on the attack, we go on the counter-attack. We want to get to the situation where the enemy, devil says, I'm not going to put fear into his heart because when I do that, all heaven is let loose. And then, whatever God has called you to do, when we've got fear and anxiety, we feel so despondent. You can feel so discouraged. You can feel so feel that, oh, I, don't, I don't feel able to do this. I don't... It's, it's all a waste of time. All sorts of negative thoughts go on in our mind. Whatever it is God has called you to do, do it all the more. One of the things I do, and that is I say, God, give me a word. Not a word for myself, a word to preach to the church. Give me a word, because it's one of the things that God has called me to do. Whatever God has called you to do, when you're feeling your worst, say, God... Give me more to do in this area, whether it's with children's work, whether it's helping the poor, whether it's with evangelism, whether it's with praying, whatever it is, say, God, give me more to do in this area. Show me more targets to hit. Ask yourself, that, right, I say you, we can feel absolute rubbish. And you think, I can't do this. Well, what's the point in this? How am I ever going to do any good? When you're feeling absolute rubbish, when you're feeling that there's no point going on, when you think it's all a waste of time, when you think you are utterly defeated, how does God think? Is he discouraged? Is he despondent? And the times when you're not despondent and discouraged and when you feel full of it, and you do things and you saw the fruit, why was your work fruitful? Because you're so great or because he's so great? So when the enemy goes on the attack, we go on the counter-attack. And the things that God has called us to do, when he's trying to do everything he can to stop us doing it, we do it all the more. Amen? So how did Hezekiah react? He crumbled. It says, he said, this is a day of despair, defeat, and disgrace. He told the nation, Assyria will not defeat us. Put your trust in the Lord. And then he starts to crumble. You ever done that? Come on, you either just said to yourself, I'm going to trust God in this situation. Or you've preached to people, or you've told your small group, or told someone in a situation, trust God in this situation, trust God in this situation. 
Oh, I'm going to trust God in this situation. And then you start to crumble. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Right, so what do we do? Don't crumble. Well, as we go on with the Lord and we become more mature in Christ and we become stronger in Christ and become more Christ-like, these things will happen far less. But there will be times when we feel as though we are utterly crumbling. So we need to know what to do in that situation instead of pretending it will never happen. So what did Hezekiah do? After having made all these great declarations about trusting in God and God not uh, going to deliver the nation, and then it seems though fear has got another complete grip on his heart, he went to Isaiah. We go to 37.6. He went to the man of God. And he said, and Isaiah says to them, tell your master, this is what the Lord says, don't be afraid of what you've heard. Those words with which the underlings of the king of Assyria have blasphemed God. He went to the man of God. So at times in our life, when we feel as though we are utterly falling apart, we should go to a man or woman of God. You'll be tempted to go to all sorts of other places. But we need to go to a man or a woman of God. And Isaiah was not crumbling. There's a couple of few verses in chapter 8 of Isaiah, which I absolutely love. It says, the strong arm of the Lord is upon me. And he said to me, do not fear what they fear. Do not dread what they dread. For I am the one you are to fear. You see, God had prepared Isaiah to strengthen the king when he needed it. And at the times in our lives when we start to find what we're falling apart, God will have prepared someone to help you. He'll have been working in someone else's life, equipping them, speaking to them, putting things on their heart so that they can help you. And there are times in our lives when God will do things in our lives and teach us things, put things in our, within us so that we can help other people when they're falling apart. So we go to the man or the woman of God. Now what happened after that was Assyria withdrew for a time. The army received a report of something happening elsewhere. So the army withdrew. And then they came back. And they sent the king had sent a letter to Hezekiah. With all, full of all the threats, the same sorts of threats he'd been making before. But this time, Hezekiah reacted differently. Have you ever found that in your own life? Sometimes there'll be some threat, and then God will seem to take it away for a time. And then it comes back. Do you know why? Because God wants us to become overcomers. And this time... Hezekiah didn't crumble. He'd received this letter from Assyria with all its threats. And it says then, he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before God. He went into God's presence. In the temple of God. And he said, O Lord Almighty, God of Israel, enthroned within the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. 
You have made the heaven and the earth. So first of all, he praised God. He reminded himself of who our God is. And then he laid the letter before God in the temple. And he said to him, Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes and see. Listen to all the words Assyria has sent to insult the living God. See, the enemy is not actually out to get you, really. He wants to get God. He wants to get Jesus. It's not going to work, but he wants, that's what he wants to do. He says, It's true, O Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste to all these peoples and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone, fashioned by human hands. Yes, he had defeated all these people. But they didn't know the living God. You see, faith is not denying reality. It's not denying the facts. It's looking beyond them or adding to them. You see, when the world looks at the facts, and often enough when we look at the facts, we neglect a couple of important ones. That God sent His one and only Son to die on the cross for us. so that we would not perish. And that God is the creator of everything. He is the Lord of everything. So we don't deny the facts. We look beyond them, and we add the two most important facts to them. This is what Hezekiah did here. and he said, Now, O Lord, our God, deliver us from the, His hand, so that all the kings of the earth may know that you alone are God. You see, that's what we want to happen. We want the whole world to know that Jesus Christ is God, is, is Lord. And then Hezekiah, uh, uh, Isaiah came. He says, then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. The last time Hezekiah sent officials running to Hezekiah, uh, Isaiah to get him. This time, Isaiah goes, presumably at the prompting of God. You see, the two first things we don't want, we do not want to have a dependency culture. Okay? But we don't want an independency culture either. And that's not a political statement, by the way. We want an interdependency culture. We need each other. So Hezekiah here is now using his own faith. Instead of just crumbling like he did the first time, he's now gone to God in faith and to the presence of God and prayed to him. And then Isaiah comes, God sends Isaiah to him, says, say this to him. Because you have prayed to me. You see, we want to see the real victories in our life is when we exercise our own faith. And we're not just dependent upon the faith of others. There are times when we, like Hezekiah the first time, where we, have, we are utterly dependent upon others because we've just fallen apart. But that's not God's permanent state for us. It's that we use our own faith. It says, because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria, this is what the Lord has spoken against him. Virgin daughter Zion, Zion despises and mocks you, Assyria. Daughter Jerusalem tosses her head as you flee. 
And what happened was the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 of the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, they saw all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. In fact, he was shortly killed thereafter. You see how things have changed? If you just go back to the previous slide, please. Initially, Jerusalem was full of fear. Assyria was putting fear into the heart of Jerusalem. But this is how things changed. Virgin daughter Zion despises you, Assyria. Daughter Jerusalem tosses her head as you flee. You see, God wants to work in our hearts so that we mock our fears. So that we become more than conquerors. And God is able to teach us to overcome all things which are thrown against us. Amen. Let's pray. Hezekiah went into the temple of God. And we're in the presence of God. We're always in the presence of God. But we're in the presence of God with everyone else here. It's kind of a stronger sense of being in the presence of God. If you're able to kneel where you are, let's just kneel before God. If you're not able to kneel, just sit down, that's fine. But in your hearts, let's just humble ourselves before God. I'm just going to pray, but you can put your own words to it. Because there are no doubt many of us here today, there are things in our hearts and minds, maybe we are fearful. Maybe anxiety is gnawing away at us. Let's, let's just remind ourselves of who we're praying to. Lord God, we praise you and we thank you that you are the God of all the earth, of all the universe, the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things, that you're the one with all power and authority. And thank you for your depths of love for us. It says in Romans, He who did not spare his son, what will he not bestow? Lord, there's no limit to your love for us. We thank you that we are completely secure in you. And now, things in your heart and mind which you are maybe worried about or fearful about, just lay them before God. Just tell God about them. Whether it's a health issues, financial issues, relationship issues, work issues, whatever else it might be. Just tell God about it. Just lay it before Him. Lord, we give these things to You. Because we know who You are. And Lord, I ask you to deliver us from all of these things for the glory of your name. May people see your deliverance in our lives. May our friends see what you do for us in our lives. May our enemies see what you do for us in our lives. May your name be glorified, God. And Lord, Teach us to be people who overcome. 
to be people who fight, people who do your work, people who do your will in all circumstances. In Jesus' name, amen.